we're starting a new series tonight, really exciting. It's called Living the Dream. We're looking at the life of Joseph. Um, dreaming is something that we all do. Does anyone here dream like every single night and remember their dreams? Okay, a few of you. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of you guys. There's something cool about that. Sometimes I'll know I've dreamt, but then you can't remember your dream. People have had that situation, yeah. Um, we dream in our sleep. We daydream. You know, there's that picture of the school kid looking out the window, just daydreaming, thinking about something else, and then they get snapped back to attention. Um, when I was a kid, I dreamt about being this famous basketball player, suiting up next to Michael Jordan, you know, being, being his wingman, scoring baskets for him. Um, and, and I would live that out in my mind. And, and in fact, our minds are so incredible that when, when it comes to dreaming, we can use our minds to dream up any sort of scenario in our heads that we would like. Um, and we also have dreams and aspirations, so the things that we, we would like to see become a reality in our lives, the hopes that we have, the, the aspirations, and those dreams, we just hope that they might become a reality someday. Right now, I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them one of the dreams that you have for your life, okay? What is something that you hope might happen in your lifetime? Go. Just one dream. All right, switch over now, let the other person talk. What's your dream? Okay, I'm sure there was some interesting conversation there. You can continue your dream talk afterwards if you'd like, um, that's fine. Hopefully what, what you saw just from that situation there is, now we can't, you, you really are talkative, I shouldn't have let you guys talk at all, should we? All right, here we go. You see, we all dream, don't we? We all dream. We all have dreams. And, and our lives are these stories filled with both dreams and with realities as well. And I'm really excited to start this series called Living the Dream. It is on the life of Joseph. We're going to look at how his life unfolds. And he's, he's this shepherd boy who's 17 years old, and, and um, some of you will be familiar with this story, The Life of Joseph. Some of you might have seen the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, etc., etc. Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of the father of all fathers, who is Father Abraham. And we know that Joseph is 17 years old, so he's fresh out of high school, basically. Now, he's a shepherd boy. Um, he's got 11 brothers and one sister, and they would eventually go on and become the 12 tribes of Israel. And what we see in the final 14 chapters of Genesis is this life story of Joseph that unfolds. And his story is just this tremendous one that is filled with twists and turns, ups and downs, all sorts of obstacles and opportunities. In fact, I am surprised there's not a Netflix series that has been made on Joseph's life story. Have a look at some of these themes, we got them on the screen. Uh, dreams, hatred, violence, favoritism, family breakdown, sex, deception, power, promotion, betrayal, temptation, 
jealousy. All of these types of words and themes come up in these final 14 chapters of Genesis and they all have to do with the life of Joseph. That sounds to me like something you'd watch on Netflix, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. And throughout this series, we're actually going to look at many of these themes and look at how it is that we should respond when life hits us in those moments where we are down and in despair, but also in those moments when we are riding high and there's good things happening as well. Um, Here's a taster for the titles of our series. When life gets tough, uh, when temptations come, when you feel stuck, when things go your way, when you've been hurt, when you look back at your life. And we're going to go even deeper in discussions with these themes in our life groups. So I encourage you, um, our life groups are kicking off for term two this coming Wednesday night. Make sure you come along to to those and we'll be uh, going deeper into these topics. But for tonight, what we're going to look at is that first one, when life gets tough. Uh, There's going to be times where life isn't just difficult, it's just downright tough. I can't, there's no other word or way to describe it. And we're reading from Genesis chapter 37 tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, you can grab them out. It will be on the screen and we'll follow along as we go. And we're going to see how this story of Joseph kicks off from verse 1. Here we go. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father lived as a foreigner. And this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpha. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. One day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up these bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun, moon and eleven stars bowed before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Here's Joseph. He's the youngest of his brothers. He is the baby of the family, if you will. And because he's been brought to Jacob in his old age, we know that he is the favourite. He is the favourite son. You're not meant to have favourites. Joseph is the favourite. It says it here in Scripture. So much so that he has this special, ornate, elaborate robe 
made just for him to wear. And so can you just imagine his little baby brother Joseph parading around in his elaborate robe to his other brothers? You would just loathe him if you were one of his brothers. Either that or you'd probably just want to punch him in the face. Um, But what we do know about this and what we learn about the brothers in this part of the story is that they just plain hate him. They hate him so much it says that they can't even say a kind word to him. Now, even politicians, even though they're on opposing sides and opposing parties, even they can at times find it within themselves maybe to offer some sort of kind word to someone from the opposition party. But but for these brothers, they hated Joseph so much they could not even say a single kind word to him. Their own flesh and blood. That is another level of hatred right there. So already here at this, at this point of the story, we see that Joseph isn't in the good books with his family apart from with his dad. Uh, recently, I was staying on the Tweed Coast. I'm, I'm heading down that way for my holiday in a few days. And I, went for, I woke up and I went for a morning run along the Esplanade. And as I was running, and sometimes when I run, I like to think. I'm a thinking runner, I guess. I think part of the strategy is as the pain starts to kick in more, the deeper in thought you are, the less you realise the pain. So I think that's part of it. But either way, I like to think when I run. And as I was running along the Esplanade, I just saw this billboard um, stacked up against this beautiful house. And it said something along the lines of, your dream house and land, this is living, it begins here. And as I was running past this billboard, I looked at it, I contemplated, I thought about it, and I began dreaming about what it might be like to actually live there, as the billboard said. Would it really be the dream, you know, that beautiful waterfront, beachfront house with a deck overlooking the ocean? And I began to think, oh, this is living, this is actually kind of part of what living's like, but, but I know that that's not the truth, right? That's surely not the truth. Um, Gold Lotto have that famous saying, wouldn't it be nice? That is a dreamer's saying, isn't it? Just think about it. Just dream. Wouldn't it be nice if you won all that money? Wouldn't it be nice? What could you do? What are the possibilities if you won two, three, five, twenty, I don't know what it is these days, fifty million dollars? You see, our dreams might give us a moment of escape from real life. They might help you get through a tough reality that you're facing. And look, sometimes dreams can be positive and they can help you see what your future can look like and give you a sense of hope. But your dreams might also have the possibility and the potential to get you into trouble in life. And this is what Joseph's dreams actually did for him. Now, it is really important to note the value of dreams in ancient times, okay? In Joseph's time, dreams were actually considered to have come from the divine realm. You know how we sometimes, we'll have a dream and we'll kind of just brush it off, oh, it was just a dream, there's nothing really significant about it. Well, in this time, if you had a dream, there was something significant. It was was from the divine realm, it was God-given, and so people actually took dreams very seriously. And so here's Joseph, and he believes these dreams that I've had, they're significant, they have meaning and so he doesn't just brush them off as a dream. He has these two dreams with that same recurring theme that he is going to be ruling over his brother and over his family. 
He sees the bundles of grain stand around, or bow down around his bundle in that first dream. And in the second dream, we see the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars that represent his brother, and they bow low before Joseph. The world that we live in is such a connected world now, isn't it? We don't need to tell you that. You know that. We see highlights of friends' lives on our social feeds in real time as it happens. And while we celebrate those highs and the wins of other people, we also need to be very careful about how we view other people's highlights. Because if we start to get into the comparison game and compare to others, that's where something like jealousy can start to creep in. And jealousy is a very real feeling. For some people, it doesn't take much to be envious of of someone or something else. And that envy can just start to eat away at you from the inside out. And so when Joseph tells his brother his dreams, it's almost like there's this fire that's lit inside of them. And they say to him, you know, you really think you're going to be king? You really think you're going to reign over us and we're going to bow before you? And what's behind those questions is this scent of jealousy, this undertone of jealousy. They've compared themselves to Joseph. They know he's the favourite son and they don't like it one bit that he's saying that he's going to rule over them. It only fuels their hatred of him further, something we need to be careful of. But even though Joseph's father, Jacob, asks him if he actually believes that you are, we're actually going to bow down before you, it says that while his brothers were jealous, that his father wondered what the dreams meant. So he's the only one here who's actually taking Joseph seriously when it comes to his dream, or at least considering what these dreams might have meant. Okay, Let's, uh, let's keep on reading from verse number 12 now. It says, Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I'll send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see your, how your brothers and flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. And so Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph travelled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. "'What are you looking at?' he asked. "'I'm looking for my brothers,' Joseph replied. "'Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep?' "'Yes,' the man told him. "'They've moved on from here, but I heard them say, "'Let's go on to Dothan.' So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. He really is, Joseph really is Jacob's favourite son, isn't he? You know, his other brothers are off pasturing the sheep in another location. And here's Joseph, he gets to stay home and have some quality dad time, just he and his dad. Look, maybe we don't know the full story here. Maybe there was a reason, maybe there was a strategy behind um, Jacob keeping him around just to let the dust settle with the tension and the conflict that was happening between his brothers and Joseph. But either way, it doesn't take long before he gets this new command to head off to Shechem, and to bring this report back to his father. And so he does that, he fails to find them there, finds this other guy who says they've gone to Dotham, and then he's off for another four or five days journey as he is in uh, pursuit of his 11 brothers. And then it says from verse 18 to 28, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognised him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. 
here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, they said. He said, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing and they grabbed him and they threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Joseph's life here in this passage changes pretty quickly upon meeting up with his brothers. It's not quite the family reunion that you're expecting. His brothers don't just go to the next level, they take things to the extreme. They devise this plan, they want to kill him, they want blood, they want to take out their very own brother. But Reuben, one of the brothers, is the voice of reason, he says, let's just throw him in this well or this cistern instead. And then, just by chance, as they've done that, these Ishmaelite traders just come along as this is all taking place. And they're passing through on their way to Egypt. And so the brothers grab him out of the well and sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And Joseph, all of a sudden, is on his way off to Egypt. Does anyone here remember the Sydney Olympics? Was anyone here alive for the Sydney Olympics? Can I just say, I was, I was a bit scared when I realised this, but that was 23 years ago. So some of you, many of you may not have been around for the Sydney Olympics. It was a big thing back then, the Olympics, let me tell you that, guys. Um, final of the Sydney Olympics, and it was the uh, 20 kilometre walking event. Okay, I want you to picture this. Jane Savile on screen there. She's an Australian race walker. She had the lead. She'd she'd finished almost all of the 20 Ks, made it to about 19.8 kilometres. Rounding the corner, the final 200 metre stretch, she can see the finish line in sight. So close, Olympic gold for the Australian athlete in her home country, in her home city. An absolute dream about to come true, right? Until the judge with the red panel lifts a paddle lifts it up and disqualifies her 200 metres from that finish line. So close to Olympic gold, yet so far away. I I know, just as we tell that story, you can feel just how disappointed she would have been. Her dream of Olympic glory completely dashed, shattered, gone, never to be seen again. The opportunity was gone. 
sitting in that well, can you imagine that worry that would have been over Joseph's mind? What are my brothers going to do to me? What's going to happen? But then when he gets taken up out of that well and sold, and he's off on a cart off to Egypt, can you imagine what he would have been thinking? Imagine the conversations even that he would have been having with God. You know, what are these dreams that you've given me, God? And here I am in a cart. I've been sold for 20 pieces of silver and I'm off to Egypt. What is going on? What about, my dream? what about the dreams that you gave me? What do they mean now? The question I want us to reflect on tonight is this. What do we do when life gets tough? What do you do when the pressure's on and you feel like everything's rising up against you? What do we do when we come into conflict with others, with family members? What do you do when someone acts out against you, sometimes inadvertently but other times deliberately? What do you do when there's hostility or anger? What do you do when the situation that you find yourself in just seems like a completely hopeless one? What do you do when you don't know what to do next in your life. 27th of February last year was a big day for for us, uh, my family, because our home got flooded. Water went through our entire house and filled every room. And look, before that flood, I had no idea how damaging water is. It is destructive. It just gets in and it causes mould and decay and destruction wherever it is that it goes. And working through that whole situation, um, there was so much that went on. We had to clean our house out. We had to move everything out. We had to throw things away. We had to work out what we were doing with, with our living situation. Then we had to move our stuff in. And then we had to talk to the insurance company. And then we had to talk to the insurance company. And then we had to talk to the insurance company. You get the picture. And then we had to homeschool our kids at the same time. Um, All of this stuff happening at the same time, we had to deal with that that sense when it it would rain intensely again. My kids would just kind of get a bit bit tense. Um, All of these things were just plain tough. But I know that not everyone goes through that. And so here's a couple of other really quick examples from my life of of some of the things that, that I would consider having been tough moments. Family members with their health, um, doing it tough, not knowing what the next 24 hours is going to look like. Losing my job and not knowing where my next paycheck was going to come from. Ending up in hospital in a pretty dire situation next to a couple of other people who are also in pretty dire situations. Uh, Family members not talking to you. These kinds of things, these are tough situations. And as we get towards the end of this chapter, in this passage, the final few verses of this chapter actually don't produce a resolution for us. So we're not going to get a real nice, happy story arc ending here tonight, because they actually paint a picture of a pretty tough situation. Let's read verse 29 to the end of the chapter now. It says that sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. And when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone, what will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognised it immediately. 
Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph clearly has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. And his family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. And that's the end of the chapter, just like that. So what do we do when life gets tough, when our dreams get shattered, when things aren't going our way? Because I believe, I truly believe that these moments when things are going tough are significant moments in our lives. They do have meaning. They do have significance. They are worth paying attention to. They are worth working through. And so what I want to do is just give us a few practical things just to consider when it comes to life being tough. Now, this is not a formula. This is not like a four-step plan or anything like that that you follow through and everything will be better again. That's not the case. This is just some things to consider, some practical things for us to consider when life gets tough. Number one, when life gets tough, don't suppress your feelings. Sometimes we, we feel like when things are happening to us, we just need to suck it up and, and hold our feelings in and just keep on pushing and plowing through. And sure, that might be the case at times where a situation needs that. But it's not helpful for us to sweep our emotions and our feelings under the rug and just keep walking and keep on going. Recognise the way that you're feeling when life gets tough. When Jacob sees that blood-stained garment that is Joseph's, it said that he refused to be comforted. It says that he, he said, I'll go to my grave mourning. He knew how to, to relate with his feelings. Number two, when life gets tough, take your time. This is hard for us to do. We want things sorted out and we want things sorted out yesterday. When we face something difficult, when you face something uncomfortable, our first response is a, is a natural one. It's usually that fight or flight. We either want to fight against it and work through it, or we want to run away from it and create separation and distance from it. And there's going to be times where that is going to be appropriate. So don't hear me wrong here. But sometimes it's worthwhile just taking, stopping and taking stock of the situation that we're in. Sometimes if you take your time enough, that can allow you to think clearly and make an informed decision as to how it is that you are to move forward. Number three, when life gets tough, stay connected. When things happen to us that, is, that are tough, it can feel like we're kind of on our own. It can feel like, well, no one else actually understands the situation that I am facing here. And it can be tempting for us to kind of go into our own bubble, if you will. But it is exactly at these times that we should stay connected to each other. Who are those people in your life that you can go to for support and for comfort? Those, who are those people who will listen to you? Who are those people who will sit alongside you and maybe mourn with you? Who are those people who won't necessarily try to fix your problem, but will be there with you? 
Remaining connected to others is very important. You know, what we're doing now here on a Sunday as God's people coming together, remaining connected, building each other up, encouraging each other in the faith that we have in Jesus, that is significant. And it goes without saying, but our church family is here for you as well. And number four, what to do when life gets tough? Talk. It's an obvious one. You hear those sayings, it it ain't weak to speak. You hear those sorts of things. It's pretty obvious to say this, but you know how hard it is? Sometimes it's really hard for us to talk through a situation. I know I find it hard sometimes just to actually stop and go, I'm going to try and talk through what I'm going through here. That's not always the easiest thing to do. So try to find that person that is safe and you're able to talk through when you're ready about what it is that you're facing. That's some practical things to consider, some practical things. Uh, But there's something even more important than anything there on the screen right now to remember when life gets tough. And it's something that was true for Joseph all those years ago and Jacob and his brothers, and it is just as true for you and for I today. And that is this. When life gets tough, remember this, that God has a plan for your life. This is the big picture that sits amongst all those little twists and turns and scenes within the story that is our lives. That God has a plan for your life. This is good news for us to hear, yeah? God cares enough about you that He actually wants to be involved in your life and He's got a plan for you. And because He is holy, He is good. And so he can do no wrong. And so guess what that means for you and for I? When it comes to the plan that he has for us, it's not a bad plan. It's a good plan. That's good news for us to remember. And so as we continue through this series, what we're going to see is just how this plan in Joseph's life unfolds over time and how the twists and turns and how, the, how God just uses those down moments to, to show that He has a plan that is greater than any of those moments individually. And we have the advantage, of course, we know how this story ends, the story of Joseph, whereas we are all still living out our stories in and under God's story. Uh, Just before I finish, the other thing to remember is this on the screen now, is that He is faithful. God is faithful. He's loyal He's steadfast. He is unchanging. God is immovable. He's true to His Word. He's never once failed and He never will fail you. And so the question then, if He is faithful to us, is will you be faithful to Him? When life gets tough, when things don't go our way, when you're at the end of yourself, will you remain in His love? Will you trust in those promises that He has made for your life. Will you remember that? Because He's such a good God that you can trust Him. You can stay faithful. I want to invite the Musos to come on up. And some of us tonight are are doing it tough in some way or another. And God wants you to know that He's got you covered, that He is enough. He's got a plan for your life. He's faithful And He's calling you to come to Him even tonight, to come back to His loving arms 
to find rest, to find shelter in Him, to stop trying to hold the walls up yourself and doing things on your own, and just to come to Him, just to give that thing over to Him, to let go, to remember that He's faithful. In a minute, we're going to sing about His faithfulness. And I want to finish before I pray by just reading these words to this song, this this first bit of these words to this song out to us. I just encourage you right now, just close your eyes where you are as I read these out. I am holding on to faith because I know you'll make a way. And I don't always understand. And I don't always get to see. But I will believe it. Yes, I will believe it. Because you make mountains move. You make giants fall. And you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. And I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then and you'll be faithful now. Oh Lord, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. It's a simple reminder, but it's such an important reminder for us as we start to look at this story of Joseph. Lord, that you have a plan for our lives, that you are a good God who cares deeply about us. And Lord, the dreams and the aspirations and the things that we have, Lord, you've, you've given them to us. But then at the same time, Lord, some of those things, they may not come to fruition. And so would you remind us, would you help us in those times, Lord, when life gets tough, when, when we're facing difficulty, to remember your faithfulness, to remember your goodness, God. I pray right now for anyone who is facing a situation, Lord, that it just seems like it's all uphill. Maybe maybe you're really tired, just tired of kind of pushing. Maybe there's a sense that, yeah, you just don't know what is going to come next and it's just eating you alive, that, the anxiety of the worrying. You know, God's faithful. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And so we thank you, Lord, that in Joseph's life, we have this example that we can look at, Lord, and see how it is that you work all things for good. And so as we come now to worship you, just spend this this time, just this, this short moment in our week, together before you, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We want to proclaim your faithfulness. We want to lean into you, God, right now. We want to bless you. We know that you will bless us in turn. But just that that picture even that that Dave uh, set off the top, just with our hands open up, we just receive what it is that you have for us, Lord, right now. And if that's had nothing to do with what I've spoken about tonight, Lord, that's okay. We receive what it is that you are saying. 
want to be open to what it is that you're doing in this moment. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to work and to minister. We thank you for your faithfulness, great God. In Jesus' name, amen.